Well, welcome, my friends. Thanks for joining us this morning. And whether you found your way to us in this conversation uh, through the small churches that are using our, our message, or through a YouTube clip, or even a podcast, we're just, however God arranged uh, us to be together in this format, we're just really thankful and, and appreciate that you're taking your time out to be with us. Uh, we're, we've been in a series now uh, for a few weeks called, Who is Jesus? And on this, this morning, on today, our key word is going to be the word today. And as you can probably see on your screen, we're going to be back in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. And we're going to divide it up into two spots, uh, verse 32 and 33, and verse 39 and 43. And we're going to be concentrating on the criminals who were crucified uh, next to our Savior this morning. And so the scripture that would really point this out to us and get us on the right track is in chapter 23 of Luke, beginning in verse number 32, this is what the word of the Lord says. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Skipping down to verse 39, it says, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. That statement, Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Such a far-reaching and a huge statement um, today and every day is a part of the incredible unfolding story of God's gracious love for mankind. And whether I pull out one scripture or try to read the entirety of the scripture, what I always find so remarkable is the true interconnectedness of the whole story that God has seems to be always orchestrating everything that takes place in this world that leads to the cross. That in turn, then, should have a huge impact on my today and your today. Um, just this recently, I, I, this isn't on our PowerPoints or anything like that, but I, I kind of was looking at Matthew chapter 6, uh, the verse that says, Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will have enough worries of its own. I really like that. Think of today. Concentrate it on today. Focus on today, because this is the one that God has given to us. Years ago, Angie and I were part of a really great study at a church, uh, a church-wide study of, of a Bible course called The Story. And I think it was, it was 30-some weeks long. I can't really remember exactly what it was, but... What they did over that course of, let's say, 31 weeks, they took you from the beginning of the Bible all the way through the end of the Bible. And, and what it did, it gave you kind of a, a panoramic view of God's Word. And for me, what was really beneficial was to really start tying things together in the aspect of that when, when Scripture begins in Genesis and says, in the beginning, everything else after that is the same story 
repeated over and over and over again. God's relationship with his creation, the people. God revealing himself, who he is, to the people who were created to love him. And so part of that, uh, part of that course that we took, that time we spent in that, in that work, uh, the, the writers, they kept talking about an upper story and a lower story. Um, at ground level, where we're at, we often um, lose focus of the big picture and we only see the temporary of what's going on in this world. And, but God truly is working all the time um, to bring us closer to Him. And so our effort then is to try to develop some our sixth sense in order to see life behind the scenes and not get so much distracted by the by the forest that we can't see the trees any longer. That way, if we can get ourselves trained to see that, or to believe and have confidence that no matter what has taken place in our life, um, God is in control and is part of his story for our best. I can't imagine a, a more graphic or important way that we could kind of try to get our arms wrapped around this than in the story that we're looking at this morning in the story of the crucifixion, but also in the two human beings that were alongside our Lord and Savior. Because on that day, many of you know the story well, there were three crosses on that day. And from a lower story perspective of what was taking place, just in what people looked at and saw, um, it was no big deal. Isn't that something? What we've been clinging to now as truth for 2,000 years, the people who were there that day, it was no big deal. Crucifixion, although seems so gory to us, it had been going on for probably at least 400 years or more at that point. And, and so they, they had developed it into such a science of pain and suffering and, but yet, nonetheless, people had saw it so often that it was no big deal. No big deal at all. So in the lower story perspective, the people who witnessed this saw nothing more than uh, just another message that was being sent to three who deserved it. Three rebels. Three criminals. Three people not worthy of even uh, pity. That was the lower story perspective. But they could have had no idea that this was the most pivotal event in all of history, whether looking back or looking forward, because this was God's major work in the lives of all mankind, past, present, and future, if he's willing. But most certainly for the people there that day who were milling about as business as usual. The scripture points out that there was a criminal who was hanging on the left and one hanging on the right, and so I don't think it was any mistake then that Jesus was the central figure in the central cross in this scene. We can turn easily then to the upper story perspective when we start speaking of Christ and I'll tell you what happened right before this, the religious leaders, interestingly enough, you could back up in, in Luke's chapter 23 here, 13, beginning in verse 13. Uh, the religious leaders ha had accused Jesus of being a rebel, a criminal. 
someone opposed uh, to what they believed in, and someone not deserving to be left alive. It, it, you could go, they mention a, a someone named Barabbas in that passage there, and you can go into the other Gospels and find out a little more detail about the custom of releasing one of the criminals at this time of year. And uh, the, they were given an opportunity to release Jesus or release Barabbas, and they said, give us Barabbas, and to Jesus, crucify him. Well, we know from this side of history the upper story. And we can view that as a perspective that Jesus was put in the place of Barabbas, who was a murderer and, and a, a thief. And it's causing different names throughout the, the Gospels, and it identifies him as um, different names, like I said, murderer or thief and things like that. But I looked that up, and the, you know, I'm not trying to say I know Greek, but I sure do have uh, reference, <laughs> reference Bibles. And the word that uh, they use for Barabbas to describe him uh, is kind of like, a, for in our terms, would be almost like a terrorist. So terror, uh, Barabbas was a pretty rough character. And that word terrorist, I think most of us, our, our minds can wrap around that and really point out that for the rest of society, he was a threat. Um, he was an insurrectionist, and he was opposed to Roman occupation in his country. But for him, it wasn't good enough just to simply be opposed to uh, Roman rule. But in fact, uh, he would settle for nothing less than for everyone to be armed and dangerous and willing to kill, all in the name of freedom from what he saw as the oppressive occupation of the Roman army. So in every sense of the word, Barabbas was a rebel. And he was given undeserved freedom then, and Jesus was put in his place. And so as I said, I know that you can immediately connect what happens in the lower story work of that day and attach it to a very condensed version of the upper story, in fact, all the story of mankind, of redemption through Jesus Christ, where he takes our place, our just punishment. God came to earth to take the punishment of the rebels, like Barabbas, like me, like you, like every man, woman, and child who has drawn breath. Also on that day, we'll turn our focus to the two rebels. I want you to know that, that that same Greek word was used to describe these two as insurrectionists, as uh, terrorists. Um, so lots of, lots of uh, theologians really believe that these guys were probably uh, in some sort of partnership with Barabbas and they were all in, there, in, in jail at the same time, and they all had the death sentence for being who they were. If you check out the other gospel accounts of that day, particularly Matthew, you will see that up until this point, before, before what we read here, both rebels who hung on that cross were hurling insults at Jesus. When they got to the cross, both of these men were terrorists. They were the worst of society. They were really the scourge of everybody they were around. You might say they were the bottom of the barrel. 
But somewhere along the line, there was an unrepentant rebel who continued to throw and hurl out insults against Jesus. He was seeing things only from a lower story perspective. And in fact, he was saying, hey, if you're God, then prove it. Help me. Save me. Do something for me. That's a completely different sermon. But his prayers was about how he could benefit from things and how he could be helped. He was seeing things strictly on a lower story perspective. But somehow, some way, God opened the eyes of the other rebel and he became a repentant sinner. He saw Jesus no longer as the Santa Claus of his buddy hanging on the other side, but he saw Jesus truly as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. You know, it's a funny thing, isn't it? That if we use just this one snippet of Scripture, we can find out the story of all mankind, truly, can't we? Jesus as the central figure. Some people on his left, some people on his right. A large majority of people where they only turn to him if they turn to him and say, give me something. And then there's another group who say, Lord, I deserve what I have. I deserve the lot I've been given. But would you think of me in an eternal way? There's a writer named C.S. Lewis and he wrote a fabulous book one time many years ago called Mere Christianity. And he says this, and I think it really ties into this, what was taking place that day on Calvary. I think it applies to us on this day. As we analyze where, which side of the central figure of humanity we stand at this point. Lewis says, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept him as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. I accept him as Santa Claus, but I don't accept him if I have to repent of my sins. That is the one thing we must not say, Lewis continues. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit him out and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us, and he did not intend to. Hmm. In the upper story that day, 
that would have been the story of the repentant thief. Amazing, isn't it? This week I thought about how when they came and they gave Barabbas the news, if he was there in the cell with his two other buddies and they came and told Barabbas, hey, we're going to release you. I'll bet he walked out of that jail yard thinking that he was the luckiest man that ever lived. But that's the lower story. And we just have to know that in the upper story, the most blessed, luckiest, whatever you call it, man, that could have possibly been involved in this day, this scene, was the repentant sinner who was being murdered and executed next to Jesus. You know, if we think about how God orchestrates everything, everything, in order to come into the life of one sinner, man, to be crucified next to Jesus, I can imagine that when this man got to heaven later that day, he said, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me was being crucified on a cross. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? How about you? Which side of the cross are you on? Is is Jesus fully your Savior, or is he still kind of Santa Claus? It's a choice we have to make. Scripture tells us that someday... Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The scripture also tells us that it has to be done on this side of heaven. There's a great passage if you have your Bibles open. We're going to go back to Hebrews again this week, just because it's so much powerful information there. And in verse 12 and 15 of chapter 3, Here's what it says. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end in the confidence that we have at first. Hmm. Hmm. As long as it is called today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Today, in the sweeping saga of Scripture, Today had as its beginnings in Genesis chapter 1. Today is the result of God himself orchestrating all events in heaven and earth to to provide a specific place, a specific time, and a specific order of events for one specific sinner in this Pacific age. 
Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Is today just another day for you? Is today just another message that you're listening to? Are you spending your time as just a bystander and it's just no big deal? Or are you spending your time realizing that today is the day that God has made a pivotal event in all of history and now he's given it to you to live fully? It's our life. And again, whether you believe at this point or not, Jesus is still most certainly the most central and pivotal figure in all of history. But instead of just two rebels on his left and his right, all of mankind fits that bill. There's people who every day says, you don't know what I've done. I'm weak. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. (laughs) I don't think it's any mistake in Scripture that Jesus had a terrorist, the scourge of society hanging beside him. And just moments from his last breath, Jesus turned to this repentant sinner and said, today. You will be with me in paradise. We all have a story and we're all moving through the lower story, but also we are truly participants in the upper story. And we're all invited when Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And when we tell that story of ours, in repentance at the foot of the cross, and we ask Jesus to remember us. He says those words to to us. On that day when your earthly journey is over, you most certainly will be with me in paradise. Folks, my prayer is that wherever you are in your relationship to Christ, that it's been strengthened today on this day. Because today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. But instead, take a step towards him. Because he's made this day for you. Next week, when we get back together, God willing, if we're all here, if I'm here, we're going to be in John chapter 19. And we'll be looking at just verses 25 through 27. So if you want to read ahead a bit, get prepared for that week, uh, for next week, and see where we're going to go in God's word. Uh, please do so. So folks, uh, I ask always that you pray for me and Angie. Just know that if we don't know you by name, we're still praying for all the people who listen and all the people who watch. So God bless you. Take care. And know that God has made this day for you. See you soon.